Non-rock-a-boatus must stop. I don't want to rock the boat. I want to sink it. Are you going to bark all day, little doggy, or are you going to bite? Brett, delusional is okay in your worldview. I'm an animal. You don't chastise chickens for being delusional. You don't chastise pigs for being delusional. So you calling me delusional using your worldview is perfectly okay. It doesn't really hurt. She hung up on me. Desperate times call for faithful men and not for careful men. The careful men come later and write the biographies of the faithful men, lauding them for their courage. Go into all the world and make disciples. Not go into the world and make buddies. Not to make brosives. Right. Don't go into the world and make homies. Right. Disciples. I got, I got a bit of a jiggle neck. <laughs> That's a joke, Pastor. When we have the real message of truth, we cannot let somebody say they're speaking truth when they're not. Take an amazing journey to a place that will blow your mind and move your heart so you will never be the same again. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Apologia Radio. This is the gospel heard around the world. Get us at apologiastudios.com, apologiastudios.com. That's where you guys go to get all the past episodes, podcasts, radio programs, all kinds of stuff. Apologiastudios.com. That's where you guys can go. Get that huge treasury of uh, episodes, some of the most amazing scholars, scientists, theologians. Did you say huge? Huge treasury. Did I say that? Maybe. Maybe. I'm having another allergy attack today. I've been good all week, and then all of a sudden it hits me. Arizona allergies are the worst. Uh, and uh, go to apologiastudios.com. All the radio episodes are there. Great stuff. You'd be really encouraged and blessed by a lot of cultural engagement, uh, debate, discussion, cool stuff there. Also, you can go to Sign Up for All Access. When you guys sign up for All Access, you partner with us in this ministry. You're part of everything we're doing. So I often say this, if you guys have been blessed by our evangelism videos, if you've been blessed by the lectures, the teachings, anything we have up at Apologia Studios, somebody else partnered with us to make that possible, to bless right. you. Uh, all the people that have come to Christ, the babies that have been saved from death even, through even a video outside the abortion mill, uh, that's happened because somebody just like you partnered with us, signed up for all access. And when you sign up for all access, right. you get the additional it's content as well, the television show the after show and you get apology academy with andrew sandlin joe boot dr james white um i've done some stuff doug wilson doug wilson john sampson gary demar lots of guys lots and lots and lots of stuff there for you guys so i'll go sign up all access right after the show go do it if you can do it right now on the show sign up for the show and uh the more partners we have the more we can do as a ministry and we're grateful for all of you guys that have been with us for a very very long time I'm Jeff. They call me the Ninja. That is Luke the Bear over there. What is up? We have an exciting show prepared for you guys all today. Thank you guys for watching live and uh, sharing the content, liking and doing all the buttons. Uh, let's see here. Are you sure those are allergies? Hmm. James says he's watching live. Are you sure those are allergies? Hmm, maybe you should show love for your neighbor, Luke. You should leave during the next hymn. Oh, very good. Yes. I'm absolutely positive it's my allergies. I have the worst allergies in the world. Like I keep thinking like every year. Maybe it'll get better. Maybe my body will adjust nah. to it, and then it just gets worse and worse. Mm. Yeah, you it's, said it's all the weed in your neighborhood. It, yeah, it's all the weed in my neighborhood. South Phoenix, y'all. <laughs> 
Uh, that's not even a gang song. And that's like, that's holy, holy hang loose. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's intense. There are these crazy weeds all over like my area. South Mountain right now is just filled with these uh, weird weeds with these little round balls, yellow balls all over them. They're not even like flowers. They're everywhere, and it's uh, people have been talking about the fact that it's this uh, species that doesn't belong here, and it's killing wildlife, and it's this extreme, extreme allergen. And uh, my out in front of my house is a field of them, mm. just a field of them. And uh, yeah, so um, I'm doing my best. Hey, you'll notice. Uh, so in today's show, we're going to talk about hyperpreterism. Some of you guys are like, okay, I'll check out now. Never heard of that before. Uh, you need to know about this because it's important to have a consistent eschatology. Uh, it's important to have a biblical eschatology, first and foremost. And uh, the issues are all kind of related. And uh, let me just put it to you this way. How do you as a Christian handle the fact that Jesus did teach, did teach, and the apostles did teach, that uh, there was going to be a return in judgment uh, upon that generation? There is no way to finagle our way out of, out of it. It's, it's just what the text says. This generation will not pass away until all these things take place. And they're demonstrative in uh, the Olivet Discourse, the passage of the Great Tribulation. And then you have just, I'm going to read a bunch of these texts today. First century time text. We're not talking about the resurrection, final judgment of Christ, the second coming. We're talking about a coming in judgment upon the covenant breakers of the first century. There's just no way out of it. And we shouldn't want a way out of it because actually it makes Jesus look pretty glorious. And the apostles look pretty amazing that they were predicting a soon-to-come judgment upon that generation, and it happened. So what do you do, though, when you run into people that take those true statements and then drive them off the cliff and turn it into, yeah, that means now there's no final resurrection uh, maybe we can adopt some Gnostic tendencies and say we're just going to have uh, an escape into the spiritual, which is the higher and the better, and there's no real actual final redemption for the physical creation or the physical body. A lot of times, I mean, I'll just say this as, as straight and as honest as I can. Very passionate about this issue personally because every single person I've ever seen go into hyperpreterism, and I mean this from the heart. Every person that I've known personally that's gone into hyperpreterism has ended up denying essentials of the faith, uh, like the Trinity, uh, going into universalism. That's right. always very popular. Uh, denying that Jesus still has a physical body. Uh, I mean, it's, it's some scary stuff. And uh, one popular full preterist today is uh, Sean McCraney. He's an apostate. And uh, he adopted full preterism. And I don't know if you remember, I told you, I told you, I said, yeah. you watch. I see he's going to start denying yep. the Trinity. He's probably going to become a universalist. Yeah. He's going to start denying the inerrancy of the scriptures in many ways. And sure enough, you just watch the dominoes drop. And that's exactly what took place. Yeah. So um, I'm not a prophet or the son of a prophet, but um, I can see which way the wind is blowing. And um, when you uh, adopt this heretical perspective, you destroy the narrative of the Bible, the hope we have for the future. And uh, you just do a lot of damage. So it's very, very important. And uh, you'll notice, though, so we have Andrew Sandlin. He's coming on to join us to talk about hyperpreterism. We're going to spend about 10 minutes right now talking to the boys to my left. Uh, these are members of Apologia Church. This is Dusty Marshall and uh, Andrew Songkrant. You know these guys if you kept up with us because we've had Dusty on with us. He is a very talented, uh, do you want to say hip-hop artist? Yeah. Hip-hop artist. Yeah. yeah not, not 
rapper. I don't know. Like Ooh, I guess go you, either way. you could go either way. Okay, all right. So he's a he's a very he's a very talented hip hop artist. If you don't uh, know it, he did the song for "Babies Are Still Murdered Here." We took it uh, to to do in the, as the end of "Babies Are Still Murdered Here." And uh, it's American Holocaust. If you haven't heard it, I absolutely love that song. Very, very moving. American Holocaust. Check it out on YouTube. That's Dusty Marshall. And you know this guy right here because you see him on Cultish. That's uh, Apologia Studios production Cultish. Doing a lot of damage, creating a lot of waves. Very, very good show. Uh, He and Jerry. uh, Sorry, Jeremiah. uh, Sorry. Jeremiah. uh, Do that show on a regular basis. If you guys haven't seen that, make sure you guys do. We've got some of the filmed versions here on Apologia Studios. We've also got their channel, their pages. You guys go check it out over there. All right. So these guys are doing a show called Reformed Dads. And Dusty, I'll let you come on in and tell us all about it. Yeah, Reformed Dads. It's a, it's a show that we're doing uh, on biblical manhood. Uh, essentially, we saw, you know, uh, a culture that is uh, looking to emasculate men, you know, that is very much uh, trying to tear down the family. And uh, Andrew and I wanting to grow in our biblical knowledge of uh, manhood uh, started this show where we're, we're talking about things like emasculating men, uh, financial, finding financial peace, uh, porn, uh, struggling with porn addiction and how to kill that sin, that sin off. And um, we're just, uh, yeah, we're, we're learning. And as we're learning, we're doing a show. We have a, Bible, uh, a book study and a Facebook group that we're also doing. Right on. And uh, Andrew, why are you involved in this? Yeah, pretty pretty much to echo off what Dusty's saying is the same thing. I really want to learn oh. myself how to be a better father, you know, and I struggled myself personally not having a dad growing up. And um, when Dusty came to, me with, came to me with this idea, I was like, this is this is a great idea for me to for me to learn, you know, to do to do things. And what I really love about it is actually we get to talk with people from Apologia Church every week. We have them come over and we do like a special like topic and. I think that's really cool because people get to see that, like, you know, the body that that is surrounded and how we've learned and grown from uh, our our leadership at Apologia Church, like Pastor Luke, Pastor Jeff, Pastor James, Pastor Zach, everybody. So it's I don't know. It's just really cool. I like it. There's a lot of stuff happening at Apologia Church. If you think about it, you kind of I can't even keep up with you. You step back and look at just really the blessings and the grace God's given us as a church and so many just gifted and talented people. You've got Mm -hmm. you've got sheologians, you've got cultists, you've got provoked. Of course, you've got Apologia and all the stuff we're doing here. Then you have all these other ministries these guys are doing, Reformed Dads. You've got your ministry, um, very important, irregular for Christ. Um, and uh, it's a very good ministry. Just tell everyone about that quickly. I like to point everyone in that direction. Yeah, it's uh, a, a regular for Christ means we're a family in ministry. We we travel to different recovery groups, sharing testimony and doing music and preaching. We come from a you know recovery background, but also you know weekly we're we're going as a family to the abortion mills locally and preaching the gospel. And you know my daughter's testimony is one of uh, doctors wanted us to abort her because of her health issues and disabilities that we found out about before birth and mm-hmm. um, so we share her story about choosing life having a daughter born with disabilities and uh, try to encourage people to choose life as well yep yep awesome ministries you want to add yeah, anything? I also say plus we have pastor James doing like 10 dividing lines a day <laughs> <laughs> I so know I can't even keep up with those let alone all the other shows we do you see today's on. dividing line 
Oh, he already recorded. I wonder uh, why he was talking right now because usually he's recording at the same time. Yeah, it was it was epic. If you guys no, haven't got a chance to see today's dividing line, go to Alpha and Omega Ministries on YouTube. Check out today's dividing line. It was something special. He went through the story of Joseph and his brothers and his father. Mm. Just a lot of insight uh, in terms of just th- saying, like, think about this element of the story. Uh, he said something. I'll just throw it out because I think it's just fascinating. He talked about the fact that uh, we often never think about the fact that Joseph's brothers, when they – um, you know, throw him in the pit, sell him into slavery, dip his cloak, and he called it a kuji in blood. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, he talked about the fact that he's like, what was the family dynamic like when the father finally discovered that they actually had been lying to him all those years? So all that time where he was grieving mm-hmm. and weeping and they were comforting probably their father, yeah. you know, and then all of a sudden he finds out later on that, no, you guys did this. And they were lying the whole, time. They were lying the whole time. Like, how did, what were the conversations between Joseph's brothers and dad? You know, because the Bible doesn't tell you every detail, but like, what was that conversation like? Did, did he they, bend them all over? I wonder if they got a spanking. Yeah. Like, it's a spankable offense. Even if you're an adult, that's a spankable offense. That rod of in my corrections, book. get over your boys. In my book, you keep you, you get a spanking no matter what age you are for <laughs> yeah. that one. Yeah. Um, so anyway, go check out that uh, today's episode of Dividing Line. Hey, I got a clip here I'm going to play for you guys, a little clip from uh, Reformed Dads. By the way, where can people go to get more? Uh, for Reformed Dads, it's on my Dusty Marshall Facebook page. We do, we do the show there or on my Dusty Marshall YouTube page. We're running the show through those channels. Okay. So, uh, Facebook.com slash DMarshall535 or Dusty Marshall on YouTube. All right. All right, here's a little clip right here from Reformed Dads. As if our fathers are our models for God and our fathers bailed, what does that tell us about God? Right. Well, yeah. it was never God to begin with. Right. Right? It was just a bad father. Yeah, it's a bad father. <laughs> it's a bad yeah. father who didn't yeah. follow God's rules. So with Reformed Dads, and we want to put out content where people can actually have a biblical man-centered point of reference to always point them back to Christ in order yes. to lead their families correctly. Yes. Very good. Uh, I, I love this concept and the whole idea, uh, just talking about being men, godly men, the men that God's called us to be. And Because you, you have a great point. Uh, in our culture, being a man is vilified, um, and uh, we, we're in a nation full of, uh, full of wusses <laughs> Not, and non-men. Yeah, like Malakoy. Uh, uh, who, who I was talking to somebody yesterday. Uh, maybe it was maybe it was my son Stellar, and he was like, "When do you think someone's gonna finally stand up and start doing something about all this?" And I was like, "Well, I think people are and people will." I said, "But we're we're just a different we're a different culture now." Mm. I said, "We have uh, generations behind us of training of men to not be men and people not to know the truth or care about the truth." And so I'm a uh, you know everyone knows I'm optimistic about the future. I know what the Bible says about the kingdom of Christ in the future. But it doesn't mean that our culture is going to survive this. And um, Mm. I don't have a lot of confidence myself that we're living in a nation of men uh, who care enough about the truth to lay their lives down for others and to actually take stands against injustices uh, that need to need to happen. Mm. You know, like it's amazing. I just I I know we're supposed to only do 10 minutes here, but I think it's important. It is element that we just experienced recently when we were over in Scotland. Oh, yeah. And we learned the whole history of the covenanters. I mean, these people are just these men and women were beasts. Yeah. Beasts. We, we suck. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they, they were dying for things that were theological claims. All they had to say was, sure, the king's king over the church, too. And then they survive. But they're being they're being killed, drowned, maimed, broken, starved to death because they're just saying, no, Jesus is the king and you're not going to be king over the church. No. And uh, I mean, they, they did whatever it took. They went yeah. they went and, and, and did services out in the fields. They 
you know, preaching one masks. for one preacher preached in a, in, wow. a, in a mask, so nobody knew knew who he was, and thankfully he never got caught. Um, and I mean, these were these were these were theological beasts, and and these were men, real men. And uh, but when you go to Scotland today, uh, the the people who have their inheritance um, even readily told us like. We've we've got to we've yeah. got we've got to start fighting. We need like we th- these are, these are this is our inheritance. This is the deposit we were given, and they told us they were like, we have so much wealth given to us. They're like, we've got to fight. We're like, yes, you yeah. do. Come on, be men. Rise up. Mm. Rise up. Yep. I think uh, one of my favorite quotes that we learned from our friend Zach Lautenschlager on the Thanksgiving episode was it would have been one of the I'm this guy probably was a Covenanter. I can't I just lost his name, but it was one of the early founding fathers uh the quote was basically he said i'm willing to lay down face face down in the mud um so that generations after me can walk across my back nice See, we, our fathers i love it sorry uh, just forget forget that that's that a, that a mac problem no. see see we need that like i'm yeah. a i'm a recovering wuss i like the word that you use but the only reason why i'm recovering is because i'm washed by the blood of jesus right and i have my yeah. identity in him like our nation's failing right now in that sense because they've abandoned who God is, yeah, and we we need to know who God is in in even in order to actually have an actual correct understanding of what a man is to begin with. Nice. We should retitle the name of the show to be uh, "Being yeah. a Recovering Wuss." <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing. Remember ninety pound wuss? <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah, you. A band? Yeah. I don't think that was before your time, but I I know the name. Yeah. yeah. Ninety pound wuss. Dustin, you want to add to that? Oh no, I just I agree. You know. Um, we live in a culture where if you're masculine, it's toxic. It's a toxic thing. If you have are loud or if you're you're outspoken about your faith, you know, you're kind of disturbing peace, right? You're disturbing shalom. So to, a, to be masculine, to be uh, who God has called you to be and speak out against evil is like, well, you're disturbing peace. You're, dis- you're disturbing shalom. And I would say that, you know, that's something that we need to rediscover is we need to be okay with disturbing peace when it stands for how God has called us to stand. Yep, that's right. I quoted it while we were in uh, Scotland and I think perhaps in Ireland, and I was just talking about the fact that there's a famous bishop in uh, England that uh, is known for saying the fact that uh, the Apostle Paul, everywhere he went in the book of Acts, there was either a riot or revival, and this bishop Mm. said, everywhere I go, they serve me tea. Mm Mm. Uh, yeah, that's a problem I think we have. And, uh, you know, we could talk a good game. Uh, we can. Uh, Christians are good at talking a good game in terms of standing for truth, laying your lives down, loving your neighbors, you love yourself. Uh, but in moments like we're currently in uh, with the injustices all around us, whether it's the issue of abortion or whether it's the overreach of the government and the heavy handedness yeah. of how they've handled this situation. Uh, this this where you really see whether you're a man, yeah. uh, whether you can be a man and where you, where you, whether you mean those things or if you just talk trash. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be a Christian that just talks trash. I want to actually be a person that uh, means what I say. And with that, I think there's a game where that might actually happen here. Yes. Um, so let's talk about it. So it's one of the things you do on your show is you actually do some fun, entertaining things. Yes. Uh, which is good because uh, shows that are, that yeah, are just uh, an yeah. hour and a half long, droning on. Uh, or I think boring. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, go ahead. Tell yes. us about the show. So we do a, a thing with every guest we have on at the end after we've had our discussion. It's called the Wheel of Groom, and uh, I'll pull it out now, and we can kind of go over it. 
And this is where I think the bear is going to do something today, I'm right? Pretty sure I got volunteered for this. Yeah, I don't think you I, even got you. you no, weren't it wasn't asked. even it was like, like it was I was like, voluntold too. So yeah, voluntold. voluntold that's yeah. good. Yeah, I was just like, oh yeah, you're doing this game. I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. Okay, so let's let everyone see it though. So that's the wheel the of groom. That's the wheel of groom. What's it say on it? So it's got four different games on it that you you would compete with Andrew, our champion, and uh, you go through this game. If you win, we're going to give you a gift. We're going to give you a Reform Dad's mug. If you lose, you have to eat three disgusting jelly beans. See, nice. I don't know how I got volunteered for this. <laughs> no. Hey, one thing, just a suggestion. One of the things we've done at Man Camp in terms of a punishment for a loss is we have done the beans, so he's he's eaten quite a few of those beans. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm um, sure. yeah, we've we've done that a lot. But also, one thing you could do is you know those those electric fly swatters. Ooh. One of the things we did at Man Camp, it was such a fun game, um, and I was seeing blue for like he a was. day. Um, was you you clip off some of the wire and like flip it up so that it creates like a connection. <laughs> and you get all the guys like in a row. And holding hands, and then one person makes the the connection, and it zaps through the whole line. So they get tasered. Yeah, yeah, totally tasered. <laughs> yeah, the so last person. It, it's over. the most amazing, hilarious thing to watch a man actually get electrocuted in a safe way. In a, in a safe store? way. Huh? At the store? No, just. At the Safeway store? No, 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 no. In a safe way. In a safe manner? <laughs> a safe manner. Yeah, yes. electrocution. It is, electrocution. We did not do that in a store. Yeah, <laughs> I, just, I actually well, I want to add a caveat because I did see. Um, Man, I'm delirious with these allergies. I did see a recent video of um, there was some like some airport or something in some in in India or somewhere. And this guy sees this big fan and it's like out of control or something. He goes up and tries to reach behind the fan to fix something, and he just gets electrocuted and literally dies in front of everybody, and nobody knows he's dying. <sighs> nobody knows he's being electrocuted. He it was like someone come help this guy. He's just in front of everybody. People are walking around him and everything. And he's just stuck to it. Oh wow! Uh, so that not that kind of situation, uh, but you know, a fun geez. recovery situation. Jeez, Debbie mm-hmm. Downer, way where to you, ruin the game. Where you, yeah. where you, where you just Let's... see blue. Sorry, my allergies <laughs> not letting me think very coherently right now. All, All right. right, well, so I'll just I'll just spin this. Doctor Downer is still on a thread though. Chow crown. Oh, Chow crown. What's oh, that? Oh, man. I'm getting so it I got to eat marshmallows from a crown or something. I don't even know. How did you know? Because he explained the uh, one that you don't want. Oh, okay. So we both have to do this? Yeah, it... it's, a, it's a competition. So we put this helmet on you. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take 15 minutes to set this up, I think. No, it'll be quick. It'll be quick. All right. So we put this. Yeah, I don't understand how I got <laughs> voluntold. Yeah, this is not something I signed up for today. So I'm putting this. So I think it's time for a commercial break, isn't it? <laughs> it is in seven minutes. Oh, sorry. Sorry to our other guest who's patiently waiting. Well, he's probably watching and really enjoying this right now. If I know Andrew, yeah. he's very excited about the fact that he's going to watch you do this. All right. Oh my goodness. Nice. All right, so. So basically, marshmallows go on the end of these little strings that are attached to a crown, and you've got to eat what? As many as you can? Very good. Very good. I'm, I'm glad this is happening right now. I'm very yeah, glad I, it's happening. I'm sure you're very yes. glad this is happening right now. Yeah, and so what are I those? I like how you conveniently were like, oh, yeah, Luke would love to do that. He would love to. This yeah. is Luke's favorite thing yeah, to do. Was, yeah. Yeah. So jalapenos, yeah, uh, exclamation points. Yeah, high over there laughing at me. You got jalapenos, exclamation points, and a straw a strawberry. 
um, on your. I don't. I don't right like now. that Andrew has experience doing this game. That's right, dude. Yeah, no, you you've played this before. Oh yeah, yeah. So he knows all the tricks. Yeah, he does. Zach, you come on in here and, and just, just come watch it from inside here. And he's here. all like, "Oh, I'm undefeated." It's because everyone you've gone up against has no idea what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so. Hey, can you, hey, Zach, can you tighten me up in the sure. back here? <laughs> Kevin, Isaac, you got to get in tight on on, on Luke's I'm pretty sure right we are breaking every COVID nineteen rule in the book. <laughs> no, we are. We are. Hey, we're sharing a microphone. Look, he's here. not even using gloves to put these marshmallows on. No, he. he I saw him. He he washes hands. He was. So he's good. He was sprinkling COVID on these marshmallows. <laughs> <laughs> I'm eating them too. They're actually COVID. I, I got. Yeah. Where'd you Where'd you get these? Oh, I got them on the back of a toilet in a quick trip. <laughs> I'm sure they're fine. By the way, quick trip bathrooms, um, yeah, try not nice places. Okay. Quick trip is nice. It's one of my favorite gas stations. Oh, yeah, yeah. I love quick trip. It is, great, yeah. but their bathrooms, no bueno. Yeah. I've never had a good experience in a, in a quick trip bathroom. They can't fit their mop machine yeah. that they sit on. They can't fit it through the No, machine. no, no. Something doesn't yeah. work there. Yeah, it's not a healthy place to be. Uh, if you want COVID-19, for sure, go to quick trip bathroom. Right for sure. Um. All right, all right, Wait. Luke. Luke, the shot looks amazing. All right. Wait, what? Just there's a song. Oh no! Wait, don't start yet. Don't well, start I didn't. Hey, did you make sure we're It'll both stop. we're both tightened up? I oh, it spins! Yeah. Oh, it spins too. Oh, it's it's automatic. I, you know what? This completely goes against your whole thing of being a man. It's in right. The mic. Right. <laughs> What's the lesson here? A lesson in humility? Yeah. That yeah. you can be a big man oh, and look, still be humble? I, can, yeah. I already figured out a way to cheat. All right. So what's the – how's this okay, work? So Do we have a timer? Uh, they're both going to press the button on top of it at the same time. Wait, Not I yet. Find it again. And then the music will play, and whoever eats the most marshmallows off of it Hold on. First. I don't know where the button's yeah. at. Where did you push it the first time? I don't know where he put my finger on it, so that's how I knew where it was at. Oh, right here. wait. You got it? I yeah. think. Okay. Is it – it's a green button. You found it, Andrew? I mean, I can't. Somebody yeah. says, okay. uh, think, pe people are getting upset because they're like, hey, don't generalize all the QT bathrooms. People are like, really? <laughs> people are rather defensive about the QT. Someone else said, uh, Oklahoma's QTs are immaculate. I'm sorry, guys. I'm just telling you about the situation in Tempe, Arizona. It's not healthy. It's not. Okay. So we're going to press the button. And whoever eats the most marshmallows off, you cannot use your hands. Your hands have to go behind your back. Whoever eats the most marshmallows before the time runs out wins. Oh, Luke! Luke can do some damage. You ready? Marshmallows. Yeah. Set, go. I, he, I think he's cheating. He's got it connected to his. Put your hand down now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's not even trying. Okay, maybe he is. That's one. Oh man, Andrew's good at this. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. These are stale marshmallows, by the way. <laughs> How old are these? Uh, <laughs> he just gave up. Just give me the jelly beans. <laughs> just give me the jelly beans. And, it Andrew's, won't even stay, didn't even stay on my head. Andrew's totally winning. I'll just take the jelly beans. It's le it's more it's less embarrassing. All Congratulations. Right. See, I want I want to point out that your friend over here put it on my head and didn't tighten it very well. Oh. So as soon as it started, it just fell off. All um, right. So these are the bamboozled beans. If you guys don't know about bamboozled beans, these things are epic. Some of them are delicious, and some of them are not. Did you only pick the nasty ones? Well, they're, not. they're both. Oh, they're good. Okay. Everyone's so been getting all the good can, can you tell? Can we? Can I get a list of the of the stank beans real fast so I know? We have dirty dishwater or birthday cake. We have oh, I haven't tried toothpaste, dirty dishwater. dead fish, booger, rotten egg, canned dog food, 
Stink Bug Spoiled <laughs> Milk, which is a fan favorite. That's the worst, That's the worst one. Is, sock. Oh, Barf. I forgot oh, that Oh, one. no, no. It's the Vomit one and then that one, the other one you, you mentioned. I can Those are the two. tolerate them all except the Spoiled Milk. That's the one that yeah. puts me. Yeah. All right. He's got to spin the wheel. Mm-hmm. Does he have to eat all three at the same time? Nope, just one. I think hey, he uh, should. It's been fun having you guys on the show. <laughs> Don't expect you back on again. <laughs> I was gonna say <laughs> never Stop again. All right. Uh, either gonna be spoiled. Milk oh my gosh. Or and everyone's spoiled getting all the milk. good ones when we do the oh, show. So. Oh, so that's all that's one. left is spoiled milk. That's <laughs> okay. Yes. Spoiled milk. He's gonna I, get the bad I ones. Am. If you guys haven't tried these, trust I, me. How they, did I get suckered? Trust into me. This again? Are these accurate Prayer or what? They're very accurate. Pray the imprecatory psalms right now. Which one's that one? Tell me you didn't get coconut. What's that one? Oh, it's good, isn't it? Oh, oh he survived it. He got coconut. Sometimes it takes a minute. Yeah, yeah. yeah so does. and bamboozled, you're gonna either you're either gonna get a good one or you're gonna get the gross, gross one. Yeah, the canned dog oh, food one is disgusting. Is good. Oh man, toothpaste dogs. is a piece yeah. of cake. He doesn't man. even have any toothpaste. Oh good, man. So. That's not fair. <laughs> that is fair. It's very fair. Oh well, no, no, it oh. stopped on his finger. That it stopped on whatever that one was. I didn't even. Spin. Uh, we're gonna have the buttered. Popcorn or rotten egg? Ooh. Come on, Lord. Give Come rotten on, egg. rotten egg. Oh, yep. Come on, rotten egg. Dear Lord, please give him the rotten egg. You can't smell it. How's that taste? How's it taste? Oh, that's bad. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Is it the rotten egg? Yeah. That's bad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How would you describe it, though? It tastes like cologne. Cologne? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't know what kind of cologne you'd be wearing. Right, tutti Fruity or Stinky Socks. Oh, this one's this one's not too bad. No. Tutti Fruity or Stinky Socks. You didn't even provide the toothpaste one for me when I got it. <laughs> yeah. Clean. clean the palate. Is that the Stinky Socks? Please tell me it is. No, but Tutti Fruity. Oh, oh. man. See, you got to wait easy on this one. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't even have to do it. Yeah. We're going to give you a mug anyways. I don't want one. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> the... The epic, the epic thing is to take handfuls of bamboozled and just eat them all. No, at you once. take the whole pack. Oh. You just say, you just take the whole. You know how they come in like individual packs. No thanks, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> no thanks. All right, guys. All right. So that is uh, Dusty Marshall, Andrew Songkrant, Reform Dads. Go check them out, guys. Thank you, guys, so much for staying with us and watching. We might as well take a break. Yeah, yeah what we're gonna do here is uh, take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to be on with Dr. Andrew Sandlin. We're going to engage the dangers of hyperpreterism. Make sure you guys uh, like share click all the buttons put it across your social media this next half of the episode very 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 important if you are interested in the end times discussion eschatology things like rapture great tribulation all that stuff then you want to hang out for this next part of the show very very important discussion and uh, actually relates very directly to a lot of the things you're seeing across social media right now videos coming up talking about the fact that you know uh, seals are being broken and plagues are being unleashed and you know things like that and related to our time uh, is that true? Well, let's let's talk about it. We'll be right back, guys, right here on Apologia Radio. Get us at ApologiaStudios.com. Stay with us. All right, guys, welcome back. Welcome back to Apologia Radio. Get us at ApologiaStudios.com. Thank you guys for joining us for this very important broadcast of Apologia Radio. I'm Jeff DeCombe, and into that's Luke the Bear right there. I think I just burped some rotten egg. Did you? Yeah, a little bit. That's so, those things are so gross. Like, can you imagine being like the laboratory technician going? Oh, the mm, one that has to figure it out? No, nah, that's not quite dirty socks. Yeah. Let me smell that again. Let me try that again. Yeah. Vomit. Like, how did they actually get the vomit? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, someone's like, it's not quite vomit. 
Can someone throw up in a bucket again? Let's try that. You know, I mean, how'd you get that flavor down? <laughs> not enough stomach acid in that one. <laughs> That's right. All right, guys. So we are going to be on today with um, our good friend, Dr. Andrew Sandlin. He was with us last week. We had a, such a good show talking about Gnosticism. We never actually got around to what we wanted to yeah. talk about, and that was the issue of hyperpreterism, full preterism. And so we're going to talk about it today. So let's welcome on again Dr. Andrew Sandlin. Thank you, guys. Uh, and as I was having a text exchange with uh, Dr. James White, I must say this is the first interview in all these years I've been on where there was a transition from marshmallow eating to a discussion of heretical eschatology. That's how so we do it here. Yeah. That's how we do it here, Dr. Sandlin. That's what we like to do. Yeah, I read that we thread. Keep, I we saw, keep it real. I saw Pastor James was talking a little bit of junk there Yeah. about us and our timeliness. Oh, yeah. yeah. I know. We had some technical issues today. We often do. Yeah, well, it's because we told Andrew ten minutes, and it was thirty. And and part of minutes. part of my technical issues is my allergies. That's probably what's wrong. Is I've, I'm just in a different realm right now. I I've, I thought that was ten minutes long, but apparently <laughs> it wasn't. So uh, welcome, welcome everybody. Says Jeff ev after every message on a Sunday. <laughs> That's yeah. I don't have a good internal clock, everybody. That's what you need to know. I don't have a good internal ah. clock oh. uh, by any means. Um, so we're going to talk true. You don't need a good internal clock, right? Yeah, that's right. When I'm preaching, I don't even, I pretend like time doesn't exist. That's My church will tell you this is true. Um, so this is an important subject. It, it's a really important subject. And uh, I want to say that this is a, a subject that is very near and dear to my own heart because I actually had friends and people that I knew that went into the full preterist or hyper preterist movement. Uh, they adopted that heretical position, and I saw each and every single time, I saw their spiritual lives completely collapse. And uh, these were people who were uh, separate from one another, different guys. Uh, but I just I watched uh, I watched it take place. And uh, again, as I said, uh, once you go down the road of of uh, full preterism, hyper preterism it seems that it starts to lead to a questioning of even the essentials of the faith. I mean, I would consider the resurrection and the second coming an essential of the faith, but all the other essentials are up for grabs too. And uh, you'll see them denying the Trinity. You'll see them going into universalism. You'll see them start to question whether Jesus Christ uh, still has his physical body. Uh, very, very uh, difficult mm. uh, situation because, uh, you know, it's a situation where people will often grab a hold of texts and show them to people to say, look, the text says this. I don't know who that is talking into there. Okay. People will say the text does say this. And so it'll be kind of shocking to a lot of people because they say, oh, my goodness, those first century time texts do teach that Jesus Christ is going to return in judgment upon yeah. those covenant breakers in the first century. You've also got the Old Testament texts that clearly teach with the coming of Christ there was going to be judgment and salvation, uh, judgment on the covenant breakers and salvation as well. And so you start putting those together and people go, oh, my goodness, my paradigm was wrong all along. And along comes the full preterist saying, right. And you know what else you were wrong about? You were wrong about that larger part of the story you were told where there's going to be a full resurrection of all these things and renewal of all these things. That there's going to be a final bodily resurrection and a final judgment uh, uh, coordinate with that. And uh, and so a lot of them will teach this this un this world just continues on and on and on with sin and, and fallenness and death and decay. 
and that ultimately uh, there's no future bodily resurrection, physical body resurrection, mm -hmm. and that this universe just keeps on kind of humming along. And really the ultimate goal is sort of escaping out of this body and ultimately going to a place called heaven one day. And I, I mentioned to you, Andrew, last time we talked that there seems to full preterism to me has for a long time smacked of uh, Gnosticism in many respects. Yeah. Um, and, and that's a, a deep concern. And that's also why I wanted to connect last week's show of a discussion of Gnosticism with hyperpreterism, because from my discussions with my full preterist friends and those who were in that movement, that's what I got. I got sort of this. This is really another version of Gnosticism. Some people may disagree with that, but that's just what I understood it to sound like. Uh, so, Dr. Sandlin, talk to us about hyperpreterism, full preterism, its dangers, and why you're concerned. Yeah, uh, thanks so much, Jeff. Uh, so, <clears throat> I mean, the word preterist actually, if you look it up, just means people who are concerned with the past. But when we talk about it theologically, and uh, with biblical interpretation, it's people who interpret much of the book of Revelation to have already been fulfilled. And, of course, Matthew 24, in my view, and the view of many other people, teaches that. And this also moved back into the Old Testament, the book of Daniel. Uh, if you, in fact, if you read a lot of the New Testament, particularly Jesus' parables and even statements by the Apostle Paul, there is this sense of impending doom on apostate Israel. And we don't think about it much today when we look back and read the Bible, because this is passed to us. And therefore, because it's not important to us, we think it wasn't important to the biblical writers to shove everything into our future. But that's not the way to read the Bible. I mean, the Bible does speak to us directly, but as somebody wisely said, the Bible can't mean what it never meant. Mm. That's an important truth. We have yeah. to say, what did it mean? And it's historical practice, um, uh, historical context. But the, the problem with so-called full, I don't like that expression, full preterism, hyperpreterism, it's like a lot of heresies. It sees a particular truth in the Bible, in this case, uh, the parousia, the coming, the appearing of Christ in judgment, and tries to shoehorn the rest of the theology of the Bible, the rest of the data of the Bible, into that one thing. Uh, that really is to, it's not just heresy, it's to do great disservice to the Bible. Because, let's face it, the Bible is a big book. I don't mean by that that it's a long book. It's not necessarily especially long, but it's a robust book. Mm. It's full of so much truth, so many truths, all harmonious. So to grab on or latch on to one of them, to the exclusion of the rest, leads to heresy. We know historically it's done that, for instance, on the nature of Jesus Christ. Some people recognize historically that Jesus Christ... Oh, we lost to Andrew there. Hey there. But then they would neglect the fact that he's also... Yeah, they would neglect the fact that he's also fully God, and vice versa. So I think that's what's happening in this case of hyperpreterism, which leads to heresy. It's also dangerous, I'll mention this quickly, it's also dangerous because it doesn't take into account historic orthodoxy. Now, we need to be careful here because the Bible trumps everything, including any orthodoxies. So uh, we need to understand, though, that if the Holy Spirit led all virtually the entire church for 2,000 years to hold certain fundamental truths, it's really hard to believe that they all could have been wrong virtually on everything. Mm. Now, that's not the Roman Catholic view, that we should trust the Roman Catholic Church of Tradition, or the Tradition, that's not it at all. But on these fundamental truths, it's hard to believe the Holy Spirit would have misled them. So, but they're not interested in historic Christianity or historical orthodoxy. 
They're interested in reinventing orthodoxy on the anvil of their own depraved speculation. That's my short response to the heresy of hyperpreterism. <clears throat> yes, and uh, so for those of you guys that are new to this discussion, uh, a lot of this discussion really centers around the eschatological issues involved with, um, as people talk about it today, the seven years of tribulation, the rapture, the great tribulation, what Jesus is discussing in the Olivet Discourse. So you have Mark 13, Luke 21, Matthew 24 is the Olivet Discourse in the Synoptic Gospels. Yes. Now, Luke will give, um, at times, in this, it's the same discourse. It, Luke is giving more, I think, of a Gentile sort of interpretation, even, of things. Uh, so I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about there. In Matthew 24, Jesus says to those he's talking to, his generation, those disciples, after he says that, look at the temple, you see all these things, not one stone to be left standing upon another. It's the temple of their day, same discourse, and he tells them what to be on the lookout for, persecution, all these difficulties. And then he says, when you see Jerusalem, uh, that, sorry, when you see the abomination that causes desolation, he says, flee, right? Mm -hmm. And it's a local judgment because they can leave Jerusalem to get away from it. So it's not a global, it's a local judgment. Very, very important there. But Luke will say things like in his Olivet Discourse, he'll say, uh, when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then flee. Uh, and it's interesting on this note in the Olivet Discourse where Jesus is talking about what they're to expect in their generation not passing away until all, all these things take place. It's interesting that you can find, it's not hard to do, uh, early church writers, pastors, fathers, and people throughout church history showing that actually, look, that's a vindication of Christ as Messiah. He clearly knew uh, that within that generation, that temple was going to fall. All these covenantal judgments were going to fall on the covenant breakers, and it was going to take place before they all passed, uh, before that generation passed away. This vindicates Christ as Messiah. They were using as an apologetic. Um, I'll give you an example of Eusebius. Uh, Eusebius, uh, early church uh, uh, pastor, uh, writer, um, he actually argues, uh, apologetically speaking, uh, that the early Christians uh, escaped from that judgment in Jerusalem because they had been given a prophecy vouchsafed by holy men. And he's referring to that prophecy of the Great Tribulation, the Olivet Discourse. And he actually says that the early Christians escaped uh, that judgment on Jerusalem in Jerusalem uh, because they actually followed what Jesus was telling them to do in Matthew 24, and they fled to a town called Pella. So when we say preterist, uh, we're contrasting preterist, orthodox preterism, uh, the idea that some, most of these prophecies are past in fulfillment, uh, to futurist. And futurist would see the vast majority of these kingdom issues, great mm. tribulation passages, as future to us. So if you're wondering, what's all this mean? Preterist means past in fulfillment. Futurist means all that's future. So preterists um, are orthodox. Uh, you have some of the giants of the faith, truly giants of the faith, uh, who were preterists. Uh, they would refer to the Great Tribulation passage as past in fulfillment. I'll give you a modern famous preterist. I would encourage you to get his book, um, Dr. R.C. Sproul, who is now with his Savior. Um, he wrote a great book called The Last Days According to Jesus. He did, a whole, he did a whole series on it. I believe the series is free online. You can go actually and check that out yourself and get into that. I've done a study through the Great Tribulation, Apologia Studios. Look through our Matthew series. You'll see a lot of those discussions. Um, we've got some of the giants of the faith. We're preterists. Greg Bonson was a preterist. Um, and, and so it, it's not hard to find 
preteristic interpretation throughout the history of the church in terms of the Great Tribulation, the Olivet Discourse, mm-hmm. the Kingdom of God prophecies, past and fulfillment. Jesus establishes kingdom. It's growing in history. But what you will see with Orthodox preterists is they're always pointing to that entire narrative of the Bible that shows sin, curse, fall, death, all that. And then you've got Messiah coming, incarnate, taking on flesh, conquering death in physical form, in the same body, but resurrected from the dead. And then that resurrection is promised to those at his coming. Uh, Ultimately, in the future, after every enemy is put under the feet of Jesus, then finally death will be dealt with, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Orthodox preterists would say that, no, Jesus is coming back to finish the story. We have hope ahead of us of death finally being defeated once and for all, just like Jesus defeated it. Um, and he's going to do that for us. Hyperpreterists will basically take, uh, I'll give you some passages because this is important. I wanted to do this, Andrew. Thanks for hanging on here. I want to actually just bring some people through this. Um, there are over 100 um, preterist time indicator passages in the New Testament alone. Um, you've got Jesus, of course, Matthew 3, 2, kingdom of heaven is at hand. Uh, who warns you to flee from the wrath about to come? John the Baptist, uh, Matthew 3, 7, using the term mellow in the Greek, about to come. The axe is already laid at the root of the trees. John the Baptist is talking to that generation, those people. The axe is laid at the root of the trees. The axe is, is already in motion and swung. That tree's mm-hmm. coming down. Matthew three ten. his wintering fork is in his hand, Matthew three twelve. Kingdom of God is at hand, Matthew 4, 17. The kingdom of God is at hand, Matthew 10, 7. And here's one. Pause. Big one. Big, 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 big one. And I, I assure you, I know that most of us have read this passage and just skipped right past it like, uh, I don't know what that means. <laughs> uh, but it's a big one. You shall not finish, Jesus talking to his disciples, first century. He's not talking to you. He's not talking to you. He's not talking to me. He's talking to them. Mm-hmm. He says, you shall not finish going through the cities of Israel until the Son of Man comes, Matthew 10, 23. Who's he talking to? Um, He's talking to those disciples. He's telling them what they're going to expect, and he says that you're not even going to finish going through the cities of Israel until the Son of Man comes. Doesn't mean final resurrection, second coming. There are lots of judgment comings of Yahweh throughout the Bible, and the fact that the Son of Man is coming in judgment upon the covenant breakers before they all die is not hard in terms of the flow of all of biblical history. You've got Matthew 19, chapter 1. God comes on a swift cloud against Egypt, and the, uh, the idols of Egypt totter and uh, tremble, and you've got the heart of the Egyptians melt within them. Well, is Yahweh literally surfing on a cloud coming to Egypt? No, I don't think so. Uh, but he did come, and he did bring judgment into Egypt. And so, of course, you have Jesus also coming in judgment. Um, you, you, I mean, I'll just keep going here. Matthew 24, 34, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Jesus is talking to them. They're asking questions about that temple, and he points them to the fact that it's about to fall, not one stone upon another. And all those things are in the context of that generation, the near demonstrative. Um, you've got, uh, let's see here, the, um, Andrew brought up the parables. These are really important. If you read the parables alone, just read Matthew, listen, to get it consistent. Read Matthew 21 through 24. Read it as like you would any other book. Don't read it as Jesus talking to you. Do these things in principle, can we apply these things? Of course. But he's not talking to me. He's not talking to you. He's talking to them. And he'll say things like, uh, you know, there's an owner of a vineyard. I'm paraphrasing here. 
And, uh, you know, he keeps sending people and they're stoning one, beating another and all these things. He goes, well, I'll send my son. They'll respect my son. So he sends the son to the vineyard. And, of course, the vineyard workers are like, oh, look, here comes the heir. You know, let's kill him and take his inheritance. And Jesus says to them, those Jewish leaders in his day, he says, uh, uh, what do you think the uh, owners, uh, the vineyard's going to do when he finds out? And, of course, the first century Jews are going, oh, he'll destroy those miserable wretches and he'll give he'll lease the vineyard out to others who will give him the fruit of it. And he says, uh, yeah, that's you. And then, of course, the next parable, again, judgment upon them. And then the next parable, judgment upon them. It's clear judgment on that generation, those Jews. Uh, another one. These are the days of vengeance in order that all things which are written may be fulfilled. Luke 21, 22. This generation will not pass away until all things take place. Luke 21, 23. Uh, we, we can go on, but there are over 100 preterist time indicator passages in the New Testament. That let's, just, let's just be honest, brothers and sisters, and have integrity as Christians. There's no way to twist these texts to be talking about a future generation than the generation Jesus was talking to. And we ought not want to do that. Let me just say this. One of the great challenges you will have if you do any engagement with skeptics, critics of the Bible, atheists, agnostics, those who know their stuff and read their Bibles, one of the things you're going to engage is you're going to engage people who say that Jesus did not know the timing of his coming, uh, that the apostles were wrong. Clearly, Jesus thought he was going to return in that first century generation. And you know what's amazing? They're right. True. Mm-hmm. They're right. Mm-hmm. Jesus did teach he was going to come in judgment upon that generation, and so did the apostles. And guess what? So did the Old Testament. So did the Old Testament. But here's the amazing thing. It happened on time as planned. Mm-hmm. Why are we giving tools to the unbelievers to use against our faith? Isn't it amazing? Just And I'll shut up here, Andrew, and you can jump in. I think this is fascinating, truly fascinating. You've got early Christian pastors using the Olivet Discourse in an apologetic context, hey, look, this happened. Hey, look, the early Christians escaped because they were listening to Jesus here in the Olivet Discourse. Uh, and look, they actually were spared historically. We know that. And they were using it apologetically like that's past in fulfillment. But then you've got people today going, oh, no, all those things are referring to my generation. Uh, it's, about, it's about to happen to me. Coronavirus is, is probably the lead in. So this is one of the biblical plagues. Every generation, by the way, thinks that about their plagues. <laughs> you know that every generation of Christians thinks that about those plagues. But we take those passages and we're moving them future to us. Right. We're moving them future to right. us and we're giving tools to the unbeliever going, oh, no, no, no. We're making excuses. You know, yes, Jesus uses the near demonstrative in Matthew 24. I know he does. I know he's talking about their temple in that context. But, you know, I think that this is actually referring to us. It's future to us. It's like, why, why are we doing that to the message of Jesus where it actually makes Jesus look pretty dang glorious? Uh, and and what I want to say is this. This is how the full preterists will get people into this mindset is they'll show them, look, these texts can't be avoided. It really happened. And then everyone's paradigm gets shook. Good. And then they go, oh, great. So, okay, it did happen. Praise God. Wonderful. And then the full, sorry, the hyper preterist comes along and says, uh, you know what else is not true? Maybe we should reconsider that Trinity notion. Maybe we should reconsider uh, the issue of the atonement and talk about universalism. Maybe we should reconsider whether Jesus actually still has that physical body in the heavenlies, whether he's actually been raised in that body and has it today. Maybe we should 
question whether there's a final judgment and a full summing up of all these things. You know, yeah. we should question all those things now. And uh, and you'll often find and look, if you're if you're a person who holds to what you can consider f- consistent or full preterism today and you're listening to me, let me just say this to you. I care about you. I love you. You need to escape. And I want to say something that I think you need to hear. Um, are you on the outskirts of the people of God? Have you noticed that since you've adopted full preterism and you're there now? Yeah. Have you noticed that you're on the outskirts of the right. people of God? Have you noticed how your spiritual relationship has crashed and burned? Have you noticed how bitter and angry that you've become? Now, watch this. I know. Please hear me on this. I know that there are full preterists or hyper preterists that would say, no, not me. But I'm talking to the ones that I know and I've had experience with. I know this world. And I'll tell you right now. Can you just question that? Like, I'm, I'm bitter now. I'm angry. My spiritual life has crashed and burned. I find myself on the outskirts of the body of Christ. Have you thought about, hmm, does this seem like somewhere the Spirit of God is active and working? Now, I'm not saying you judge things based upon experience, but I'm telling you about the experience, and I'm telling you about the losses that I've seen and uh, the damage that this has caused. And it concerns me, and I care about you. Please don't see this as an attack upon your person. I'm encouraging you to see an inconsistency in the movement and the damage and the toll that it has taken upon many, many people. And uh, just how much damage it does to people and takes them outside of the body of Christ, I think, is the critical issue. Andrew? Wow, that Jeff, I was just going to say as I was listening to you, that was so... Uh, powerful and so eloquent and so absorbing. I hope your audience uh, listens to it. I think one of the real dangers of uh, and, re- and reasons for hyperpreterism is just the lack of understanding of what I'd call the flow of biblical history. Yes. So God creates everything and man falls. And then there is, uh, of course, the judgment of uh, Cain and Abel, of course, the first murder. Then, of course, later on there is the flood. And then uh, not uh, then the Tower of Babel, not long after that, mentioned in uh, late uh, Genesis 11 or 12, God calls a people. He calls Israel, his special covenant people. Not that he excludes everyone else in the world from his work, but these were special covenant people. Well, the fact is, the vast majority of the Old Testament, let's be quite honest about it, is about God's dealings with Israel. So this is a really big issue. And then we come up into the New Testament, and despite all of these warnings in the last part of Deuteronomy, all the warnings of the prophets, here comes the one final prophet, as you indicated before, Jeff, the perfect son of God, the one final true prophet, Moses would have said. And what does Israel do? They kill this one final true, true prophet who is their Messiah. And therefore, all of the judgments that have been prophesied, these covenant judgments, are promised again and again and again and again. In fact, I would say, Jeff and Luke, you can't really understand the Bible if you don't understand this theme, this recurrent theme about God's love for Israel, his, his, if we may say so, his sacrifice for Israel, his agony as Jehovah God, the husband of Israel. And yet she turns her, ba- uh, her back on him, and therefore he judges them in AD 70. This is not a minor part of the Bible. So if you don't understand this, you're not really going to understand the Bible as you should. Well, their hyperpreterists see this, and then they say, ah, well, that's the whole story. But actually, that's not the full flow of biblical history, because God also said he was going to call the Gentiles. Yes. And uh, he did call the Gentiles. And the flow of biblical history also involves, and this is where the Gnosticism tragically comes in, the redemption of the material world. And yes. that goes back not to Genesis 11 and 12, but to Genesis 1 and 2, 
That's why you see in the bookends, in the book, you see Israel in the middle, the large part, but on the bookends, you see Genesis chapter 1, and then you see Revelation chapters 21 and 22. Uh, that's why it's so remarkable. The flow of biblical history then ends with the redemption of all things, the material world, and the return of Christ to put, I'd like to put it this way, guys, the exclamation point. The Bible doesn't teach things are going to get worse and worse and worse, and everything's going to be terrible, and then we will finally escape from our bodies. No, a thousand times no. There'll be an advancement of the kingdom, but still sin in the world. Advancement of the kingdom, still death in the world. People, I believe, will live longer lives, but still not the definitive defeat of sin. And then Jesus Christ comes. There's this glorious sentence going along, going upwards and upwards, and then we get to the end, and there's that final exclamation point. Which, which ends with the coming of, uh, coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is why I think in some ways, guys, and I'll conclude with this for this segment, but when you, when, if you hold to hyperpreterism, if you walk it to its logical conclusion, it really is an attack on the cross. Mm. Because on the cross, Jesus Christ began to put to death, in a principled way, fully, in a principled way, put to death Satan, and, uh, of course, the powers and evil and so on. But, of course, that has to work its way out in time and history, just as the fall worked its way out in time and history. So redemption works its way out in time and history. And what we're really saying is if history goes on and on and on, the cross really wasn't efficacious. To me, there are a lot of dangers with hyperpreterism. It really, in the end, is an attack on the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. And to me, that's why it's most dangerous. Very, yes. Yeah, so I um I actually was having a conversation. I think it was last two week. weeks. Was it last week or yeah. maybe two weeks? Ago, yeah, with a with a guy that um is I think wanting to to buy into full preterism or hyper preterism, but was you know kind of on the fence a little bit. So the, I had a good conversation with him, and I think the whole this whole discussion between hyper and and partial preterism came down to one point. So I want to hear what you have to say, to this Andrew. But basically, you know, I said, well, we we would say that you know. Christ is ruling and reigning now, and He will be until, you know, we look at, at Hebrews ten and uh, in First Corinthians um, fifteen, right? Yeah, he, yeah, he, you know, we would say He's ruling now until every enemy is um, put under His feet and the last be in death. And so He said, right, He agreed with that. But then He's, you know, we said, well, then Christ will return, and He says, well, it doesn't say that in the text. And so I said, okay, so you're saying then that essentially. There, it's just open-ended that Christ is just going to rule and reign forever, even though the text says until this point. There's a definite point in time, and then what? You know, but it's it's like there's just this open-ended, well, you know, that's all that the text says, so that's, you know, where where I'm at with this. So Well, yeah, yeah, I think the problem there, remember 1 Corinthians 15, Paul is not specifically dealing with the issue of what we call the second advent, this... Uh, final parousia, but about the resurrection. Now, of course, that's coordinate with the second advent, mm. but even the idea, uh, Paul uh, elsewhere talks about, you know, the, well, I think there even, the kingdom being turned over to the Father. And, uh, of course, the other thing he says is, and this is something that I think people don't see, that, of course, death itself is the final enemy that will be destroyed. Right. Well, there has to be, if, if death is the final enemy, Incidentally, the Bible does not teach that death is a beautiful, lovely thing that we all should seek. Death is evil. It's a terrible thing. It's a disruption in God's created order. It's mm. a sad thing. Um, but that death will be destroyed. Well, there has to be a definitive point right. at which that happens. 
And there are a number of times in the Bible, and I know hyperpreterists will dispute these texts, but I think some, like uh, in the book of Hebrews, Christ appearing, the parousia, the second time without sin for salvation. Jesus said when he goes, I'm going to return just in the same way. There are a number of texts like that that can't, in my view, can't be interpreted in any other way than in a physical, visible second coming, which doesn't negate, doesn't negate rather, all the other texts that refer to his coming in judgment in Jerusalem. Mm. Excellent. Yes, and uh, I think it's important to note in 1 Corinthians 15 that there's just no way for us to really maneuver around in any coherent, meaningful way. The fact that it teaches that he must reign until yeah. there's something, all right. enemies are under his That's feet, right. and then yeah. death. Yeah. So if you look around yeah. us today, I'd say... Uh, if the hyperpreterist uh, scheme or perspective was true, that's awfully odd. We have so many enemies still around yeah. and so much death still going on. Uh, but they'll say, well, that's all spiritual. And, and wh that's what they tend to do is they'll say, but see, in this text over here, Jesus says that if you believe in him, you'll never die. And they'll point to the clear mm. aspects of our salvation that clearly do have to do with the fact that we already have eternal life now, mm. all those different things. But like, like Andrew says, the biblical narrative can't be just pulled off of mere proof texts. It's an entire big book, big story, and you've got all these points of contact throughout the entire narrative from the fall itself and, of course, sin and fallenness and separation from God, physical death, death is seen as an enemy, Jesus coming, taking on flesh, actually becoming uh, one of us, human, conquering death physically, uh, they're touching him after his resurrection. The promise that our resurrection is going to be like his resurrection, mm -hmm. that's what people miss, is yeah. that our resurrection is going to be like his resurrection. question is, what was his resurrection like? Well, they touched him. Right. They ate with him. He had a physical body. You cannot avoid that. Our resurrection is going to be like his resurrection. He had a physical yeah. body raised from the dead. So will you. Uh, but another, just, just as an example, one of the things that hyperpreterism denies is that there's a last day right. of human history. Right. So, like, they'll deny a resurrection at the end of history. They'll say, no, history just sort of just kind of goes on forever, and, and uh, you know, there's no actual ultimate end, final day, full resurrection. It, you're going to have problems with texts like this one. John chapter 6. Yeah. John chapter 6. No, no, six. no, that's right. I think, and uh, because of my strong belief in the, the creation, fall, redemption, is basically the storyline of the Bible, to me, they're real problems is with they, they do not have a definitive defeat of sin. And mm. so really they have a very incomplete redemption, and that's why they have to go Gnostic, so many of them, as you said, mm. sort of have to have a doctrine of escape. But of course sin happened on the plane of very physical, tactile human history. I mean, you could go touch Adam with your hand. You could touch the tree. You could get a splinter in your hand, as Francis Schaeffer might say. Well, therefore the victory has to be not an escape from that history, but within that history. But you don't have that with hyperpreterism. So it really, and that's why it really undermines the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. Very much. And so the text I wanted to go to, it's, it's often missed in terms of a last day and a final resurrection. When hyperpreterists will take the last day and they'll have, it'll cram everything into Israel's story. Cram. They'll cram. They cram everything in Israel's story. Andrew's exactly right about that. And so they take every concept, every, every timeline, everything has to do with just Israel. They forget, of course, the larger scope of the kingdom of God promises in the Old Testament yes. with yes. Jew and Gentile together in one body. They neglect what the New Testament teaches concerning that. But they're also ignoring clear statements by the Lord Jesus like this one in, in John chapter 6. Just, just listen to this one and just think about this. 
if the whole last day concept has to do with just Israel and Israel's story, then how does it work with something like this? John 6, 35, Jesus said to them, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. Here it is. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. Now, I believe that I'm one of those people who was given to Jesus by the Father. Mm -hmm. I trust in Christ. Mm -hmm. I've been given to Jesus by the Father. And he says that the will of my Father in heaven is that all that's been given to me, I'm not going to lose any of them, and I'm going to raise them up on the last day. Now, what about me? What about everybody on the other side of uh, the first century itself? All these people given to Jesus by the Father. The promise he makes, and I'm going with his words here, he's the incarnate one. He says that the will of the Father is that he loses none of us and that he will raise us up on the last day. Well, here's the question. If hyperpreterism is true, where's my last day? Mm -hmm. Where is it for me? Where is it for me? And so this is one of those things where the hyperpreterist scheme cannot pull all this together. I agree with my hyperpreterist friends that much of the New Testament discussion is related to the covenant breakers and the judgment, soon coming judgment upon them. Yes, the Old Testament promises judgment and salvation at the coming of the Messiah, of course. But there's a whole other part of the story that's not just about Israel. Jesus says in John 10, his flock doesn't just consist of Jews. He says, other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Mm. Excuse me. Them I must also bring, and there'll be one flock with one shepherd. You see, the story is larger than Israel. It is. It just is. And the biblical narrative is larger than just spiritual death. Of course, there's spiritual death that Jesus overcomes. I have that resurrection now. Mm. I'm alive from the dead. But that's not the end of the story. Jesus is alive physically from the dead. And when he is raised, again, he is able to be touched. Of course, it's, it's, um, it's a resurrected, glorified body. But remember, he eats fish. He touches them. They, they touch him. He hangs out with them. It was a physical body. And that's, I think, the beautiful part of the story is that Jesus is going to overcome all of this and subject all things to himself. Hyperpreterism doesn't have that. Amen. So. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I think another thing you could have mentioned on what you probably did, Jeff, and you've seen this, I mean, from your own background, own friends, and pastoral ministry, as most, and I want to use the word very carefully here, there is a cultic, um, I easy to just call people cults. I know you guys have, I have, but the, the cultic tendency is to fasten on uh, one single aspect of the Bible. You've noticed that mm-hmm. about often uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, certain yes. Mormons, one or two aspects of the Bible. But the orthodox, what, orthodox, what makes orthodoxy what it is, is a recognition of the fullness of the Bible. You're not obsessed with one section of the Bible or one teaching of the Bible, but see it in its fullness. It seems to me, at least in the hyperpreters that I've known, they constantly have to be talking about this issue. This is their issue. Right. But that's not how Jesus talked. That's not how Paul talked. For that matter, how the great Old Testament saints talked. They saw the revelation of God in its fullness. I think it's important to take that into account. Mm. Yes. Excellent.
Excellent. And I just want to say a word to any hyperpreterists that are watching this right now. Just know some of the statements that I made in terms of the denial of the Trinity, uh, denial of the physical uh, body can, you know, that Jesus has now resurrected, denial of the inerrancy of the scriptures, going into universalism. That wasn't a statement to say hyperpreterism breeds that for everybody. Right. I'm telling you what I have personally seen over and over and over again, and it concerns me, and it ought to concern you. I really want to make a plea to Christians, brothers and sisters who have been duped by this mm. and have fallen into this. It's okay to come home. <laughs> Amen. Come, come home. Repent of this. Come back. Abandon that very, very dangerous movement. Come home uh, to the church. I, I just, I know this movement mm. well, and I'm telling you, I know what it looks like inside of it. Um, I know there's a lot of guys that are listening to this now. They're like, you're not explaining my story. All, you know, I'm fine. Okay, but I'm talking to the ones that have been devastated by this right. stuff. And, um, gosh, you can let go of it. You can. You can come to a more consistent reading of the Scriptures. You can be consistent as a preterist and acknowledge what Jesus said happened and it came true without abandoning the, the big blessing of the larger part of the story. Um, come home. Repent of this stuff and come home. You can come home and be well. Uh, so I encourage you to do so. And um, I know that um, much more could be said on this. We just wanted to give this a quick touch and a burst because people were asking us questions about it. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to uh, do the show and at least provide some basic background of our understanding and our perspective on this issue. And uh, Dr. Sandlin, I want to thank you once again for joining us and spending the time and hanging out for so long with us. You guys are worth it. Uh, you, guys, you guys are worth even the little headgear and the um, marshmallows. You're worth it. <laughs> That's right. Luke, Luke didn't know that was going to happen today. He was not prepared. No, great seeing him. No, yep. not at all. Yeah. Dr. Sandlin, thank you, brother. Where can everyone go to get your stuff? Okay, good. And put this up on the screen eventually if you can, guys. Uh, ChristianCulture.com and DocSandlin.com is the blog. And then if you guys, can, anybody wants to, can like me on Facebook. And there's a new uh, e-newsletter out called Culture Change. Just look at for it oh. online. But ChristianCulture.com, or you just put my name in a search engine, you'll find all the good, the bad, and the ugly. Awesome. Thank you, brother. You're the best. All right, guys. Love you. We'll talk to you Love you, too, man. brother. There's okay. no bad. Bye-bye. There's no bad. No. It's all good. Um, so, good show today, guys. Thanks for hanging with me, especially during my uh, massive allergy attack right now. And uh, thanks for putting up with uh, maybe the moments where I was a little out of it. And thanks for uh, cheering uh, the bear on with his marshmallows. We weren't ready for that today. No. We weren't ready. No. That's all right. But I'm glad it happened. I'm glad it happened. Here's Dusty coming around laughing. I'm going to All right, guys. I'm going to come crash his show and make him play a stupid game. You should think of a very creative game. I will. That he can't accomplish, and you'll come on the show and make yeah. him do it. Yeah. It'll be it'll be payback. I'm the champion. <laughs> We're just going to wrestle. Wrestle. <laughs> All right, guys. ApologiaStudios.com is where you guys go to get more. Uh, don't forget, if, you're sure, if your church church if your church is not connected to End Abortion now, you need to be. Yes, We've been sir. sending out kits. We're sending out, I think, 10 more kits this week to local churches, so praise God for that. Lots of babies being saved. We actually mm-hmm. just had a save last week ourselves at Apologia Church. Every life is worth this entire ministry. And now we're at thousands and thousands and thousands of babies who have been saved from death. And it's all because you guys partnered with us with an abortion now. Uh, Some of you guys gave, and we're grateful to God for you guys giving. You made it all. Every baby that's been alive is because you. You gave. Um, 
and this is a partnership together with us. But if you haven't signed up your church yet to go out and save lives, you should do that. You should. You should do that. And abortionnow.com is where you go to get free training and free resources. We don't want anything from any church who signs up. Nothing. Everything is given away to you guys. Uh, that's the benefit of everybody who gives to End Abortion Now is you're providing for those churches. So they pay zero, nothing. All we want them to do is get started, save lives. Uh, so go to endabortionnow.com to get started. That's Luke the Bear. Peace out. I'm Jeff the Common Ninja. We'll catch you next time on Apology Radio.